Are you struggling to make your first 100K or next? Are you pretending you're successful but barely getting by? Are you tired of comparing yourself to millionaires and billionaires who make it look so easy? Welcome to First 100K, the number one entrepreneur voice in America. I talk about the important things that no one else is talking about, like how to make your first $100,000, because I believe this is where 90% of entrepreneurs get stuck. And I tackle the mental game of entrepreneurship that we all secretly struggle with but won't admit. My guests are successful entrepreneurs who share their mistakes, their number one fears, their daily habits, and their superpowers that push them over the 100K mark. I'm your host, your coach, your friend, Joseph Warren. I'm also a 10-time failed entrepreneur and the owner of two co-working spaces here in Tampa, Florida. This show was created for you, the entrepreneur who's pushing to break through the elusive 100K milestone. Wherever you are in your business, you're just 100K away. Today, my featured guest is Hannah Fitz. Uh, she is an international brand strategist and business coach, helping service-based experts, personalities, and entrepreneurs create a luxury, world-class global brand online specifically to elevate their authority, increase their visibility, their revenue, and their impact. Startup Nation, I just listed all the things you're chasing, didn't I? She has been <laughs> featured on major international media outlets like the Huffington Post, where Milan uh, and Goldcast. She is the CEO and founder of the brand Atelier at <laughs> HannahFitz.com. That's where you can find her, HannahFitz.com. Hannah, welcome to your first 100K. Go ahead and fill in some of the gaps in that intro, would you? <laughs> well, I think the intro pretty much uh, summed it up. Uh, I would just add that I started my career as a new product development officer for a financial conglomerate in the OECS. Uh, that's in the Caribbean, Eastern Caribbean region. And, um, and, and so that's where my experience comes from in terms of developing brands and developing signature products that really drive brands. So what I'm hearing you say is that you work for some of the big boys, big boy companies, and now you're bringing all that, that power and influence and marketing strategies and tactics that work for those luxury brands, you're bringing to the common man, the common entrepreneur. That's that's exactly what it is. Um, what I decided 10 years ago, I left my full-time employment to start my own boutique consulting firm. And I realized that a lot of small business owners, what they really lacked was strategy and structure. Mm -hmm. And so understanding what drives corporate success and what some of those bigger global brands are doing to influence the market, to become the brand that people desire, remember, and actually want to buy from. Um, I've decided to share with small business owners how to implement these very same strategies that took some of the brands you see that are very big right now. They started just like you, right? They were like small family owned businesses in a small town and they expanded to become global brands leveraging very specific strategies. Okay, so I'm hearing you on that. And immediately, I know one of my listeners is pushing back and saying, well, Hannah, that sounds great. I, I know I lack strategy and structure, but I also don't have the big budgets that they have to go create that strategy and structure. But I'm hearing you say, well, listen, they all started out just like you. Exactly. But did they have strategy and structure? Or did they kind of like just struggle for years like some of us? 
Absolutely. Many of them did. And it wasn't until they started to do things in a certain way that they were able to leverage growth. Um, every business is different. And so that's why I use the word strategy, not formula, <laughs> because, <laughs> because strategy is really specific to your type of business, your vision, your goals. Where do you want to go with it? Um, your own brand value and brand cultures, culture and how um, you see it evolving in the marketplace. So strategy is something that's very tailored and specific to a business as opposed to uh, something that is a formula per se. Um, you know, what I want people to realize also is that, you know, what might work for one company might not work for you. And so knowing what specifically is going to drive you and your style, like I hear people say, oh, successful entrepreneurs work at, wake up at 5 a.m. You know, like that doesn't work for everybody. <laughs> not every successful entrepreneur is a 5 a.m. You know, like if I work up at 5 a.m., it just doesn't work for me. Like six, eight, even one hour more helps me show up even more powerfully. So that's what I mean. Okay. I hear that. Thank you for that because I, I just got on and I'm like, hey, we're doing this recording at 9 a.m. Typically, I don't do my first podcast recording until about 10 or 11 a.m. So this is like an exception because that doesn't work for me. Yeah. But to your point, I've, I've done okay in business, you know, yeah. um, but finding what works for you that matches your lifestyle totally. so that it's not depleting you, you know, just chasing the money, right? All right. So let's bring this back. So we have listeners right now that are coaches, um, that are consultants. Yeah. Uh, some of them are just starting out. Others, they're at 80K. They just can't get over the 100K mark. Others, are at, they're in the six figures, but they just can't hit that next level. There's something blocking them. There's something stopping them. Maybe sure. it's inside. Maybe they're missing the, the strategy or the structure. What do you want to show up? with right now um like what's the biggest thing in their head that you've seen working with your clients what's that biggest mindset roadblock to them creating that brand that you're talking about well i mean i've worked with a lot of entrepreneurs who were stuck at the un, under six figures and were able to quickly scale to six figures after working together and what i've seen has really been the big shift there there it's never one thing but it's a combination, right? So one of the mindset, to speak to mindset, is that scarcity mindset. And when I say scarcity, it can show up in different ways for different people. Scarcity can show up in the form of, um, I don't want to focus my message because I'm afraid I'm going to miss out on X customers if I focus. Um, it can show up as I'm just starting out, so I'm going to charge very low prices um, because I want to get my foot into the market kind of mindset. So um, it's two different ways of approaching scarcity, um, but it's two mindsets that actually impact entrepreneurs' ability to show up with what I call that powerhouse presence to be able to magnetize the right clients and to be able to grow revenue. The other problem around it too is that a lot of entrepreneurs think that if they earn more, they have to work so much harder. And so because they have that mindset, it really keeps you afraid to grow your revenue because you're afraid that it's going to require more of your time, more energy, more headache. Um, and so these things really do get in the way. And it doesn't just happen. I want you to know 
And it doesn't just happen to people who aren't earning six figures yet. Uh, people who are earning multi-million dollars have the same issues. Uh, it's just a different level of it. I think sometimes people think that when they're not earning a certain amount that only them, they have those problems. At every level of growth, there is a new barrier to break. And that's, these are just three of the barriers in terms of mindset that I see a lot of people struggle with at every level. Hannah, can I speak to one of those personally? Sure. <laughs> Because I, I think it will land the plane, so to speak. Uh, when I started my coaching business, yeah. uh, I was working with another coach at that I hired who was doing, uh, she was doing very well in her, in her coaching business in a completely yeah. different industry. And I said, listen, I've never done uh, the business side of coaching, yeah. right? I know how to coach people, but I've, I've never learned how to do the business side of that. So teach sure. me what you know. So she taught me and we got to a certain level and she was like, Listen, if you want to start charging these prices, the prices I charge, the $20,000, yeah. the $50,000, sure. the $60,000 sure. coaching packages, well, you got to show up much more prepared. You got to do much yeah. more work. You got to do all this research and stuff because that's the expectation of the client at that level. So yeah. like I have to level up is what you were saying in order to uh, level up my prices to that, that place. Yeah. And so my question to you is, is that true? Is that true? Or is there another alternative? Is it really more about me getting the client the specific result that they're coming to me for and they don't really care how I get them there or yeah. how much research I do or anything like that? Do I deliver on my result? Which is it? Well, you have to deliver on your results. And what I've found, I mean, I've uh, sold packages at almost every level, six-figure packages, uh, you name it. And um, what I do know is that the higher level you go, obviously the higher quality. And sometimes someone isn't necessarily paying more for you to do more work. They're paying more for whatever it is that you're selling. So for instance, I sold a, 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 a recently a very high end six figure package. And that package not only included me, but it included a celebrity photographer. It included, you know, the designer who designs for Chanel and um, Adidas. That person is paying for that prestige of having that high level designer. It's not that the designer might necessarily, and of course the designer is highly skilled. He has a PhD in design, but they're not necessarily paying for that. They're paying for the prestige of having their brand developed by people who are associated with that level. So again, you know, it's not necessarily about doing more, but it's about delivering value and value can show up in different ways. You know, there's intangible value and there's tangible value, right? And most of the time when we look at the marketplace, what people are mostly paying for are, is intangible value. So I always love to give the example of the handbag from Hermes, the Birkin bag. You can't go to their website and buy this handbag. You have to be invited to buy it. The minimum price for this bag is $13,000. You can pay for it a pre-owned one on the market for $32,000, right? And more, even into six figures. Are people really buying a handbag or are they buying what the bag represents? 
And so at the end of the day, there are many ways to cultivate value, which when I teach my clients about unique value proposition, we look at these areas of how do you create both tangible and intangible value proposition that will add to the value of what you're able to charge on the market. Mm, powerful. So Startup Nation, what I'm hearing Hannah say uh, and this is something I've been challenged with in multiple businesses, and maybe you're challenged with it as well, is that the, the, your pricing really should reflect what's the value you're delivering totally. or, or the problem that you're solving for your client. Totally. If you're solving a small problem, then you're probably only going to get a small fee because that's what it's worth to that client. Exactly. But, but if say if you're solving a massive, I'll, I'll give an example, right? I do relationship coaching and spiritual coaching. Sure. So a client will come to me, for example, that's killing it in business, yeah. but they go home miserable every yeah. day, right? Yeah. And sometimes a client will come to me in this state of emergency in yeah. their, their marriage and they're headed yeah. towards a massive divorce that's going to take half their fortune, Right. Mm -hmm. So when you put a price tag to that, okay, how much is this guy worth financially or gal, right? Yeah. How much are they about to lose? And can I help them save their marriage? Totally. Now, totally. what's it worth to them if they avoid a nasty divorce and yeah. avoid, avoid losing half their fortune? Totally. Am I charging an hourly fee for that? No, I'm charging yeah. for that result. To yeah. remove that pain, that headache and get the love of their life back. Hannah, what and do you want to say to that? No, what I'm saying is you're exactly right. And that's why, you know, I remember one time I helped a client create a, what she, it's now like a $150,000 package that she's selling. And usually I've, I've had several clients do this and I've gotten pushed back. Like when I say to them, like, this is what you need to charge for this service because I do the product development and I see yeah. where the value proposition is with them. And they're like, how can I charge that? And then when they look through with me and I show them where the value really is, they're like, wait a minute this is actually worth so much more. Like they could never even pay me for this. And they've, and, and what clients say to me is they're able to sell their package with greater ease, their higher end package with greater ease than they were struggling to sell a lower end package because they understand and connect so deeply with the value. Don't sell products, sell value, right? Mm, I love it. And, and I also think not only the, sell the result, but sell the experience. That's what I was the hearing experience, you say. People pay so much more for experience. As I gave the example of that Birkin bag, Correct. because people know that it's a rarity. It's, uh, you know, one of the few fashion houses that make that product in Europe. Um, you know, the people who own it are celebrities and high profile people. So you owning it makes you're you feel of, like you're part of the club. You're right? part of the cool kids club. Exactly. That's what you're paying for. You're paying for status. You're paying for exclusivity, right? Yeah. That feeling of like, wow, look at me. And okay. the fact that no one else can just go buy it if they wanted to. That's right. Yeah. Okay. So we're speaking with Hannah Fitz. You can find her at hannahfitz.com. Hannah, um, the main reason why I invited you on the show is really to speak about how do you create a world-class brand that elevates your authority and attracts high-end clients? Now we're touching on it, but we're touching yeah. a lot on pricing and building value, which is great. But a client's going to come to you and they're going to see, okay, you solve a big problem for me. Um, sure. You have a very high price tag, which kind of makes me think you're more valuable. Okay, that's working. Sure. But then there's a, a missing part, isn't there? There's credibility. Mm -hmm. They're going to look for credibility. Like, mm -hmm. how do I know you're the real deal? So yeah. let's talk about that, elevating your authority. So my listener, here they are, they're, they're running, a, say, a coaching business. They yeah. did 50K. They're 
their first year um, and, and they're struggling to get over it. And they're like, Hannah, I want to charge higher prices, but people yeah. are going to look at me, my website and be like, uh, what? I don't think so. What yeah. do they do specifically? What do you got for them? Well, first of all, it starts with four eyes. When I work with a client, we go through the specific process that I know we're implementing those world-class strategies. And I want to share that, you know, I've worked in a variety of industries. Um, I've been running my own consulting firm for 10 years now. So this year I celebrated my 10th anniversary. I've worked with luxury award-winning hotels, Condé Nast award-winning hotels. I've worked with luxury jewelers in Italy, um, manufacturers of products, retailers, uh, service-based experts, people who are earning multi-million private jet companies. Um, so my clients have ranged from people who are earning multi-million dollars to service-based experts who are just starting out and launching to some who are already established but stuck under the six-figure level who are looking to scale. Um, and, and what I've learned working in a variety of industries um, is that there are common themes in what makes a brand successful. And I call that the it factor. So it's the irresistible core and the twist of what, and the twist is necessary because it's what will distinguish you, will, will give you that mark of distinction in the marketplace. But the starting point is strategy. When a client correctly understands their brand strategy, the core message and the movement that you're creating around your brand, not just products, but a movement, right? Um, then you really understand that you're creating a strong culture. Understanding that and having an intimate connection with your positioning, who it's for, correctly, not in scarcity, but in really, really drilling down that this is who I can best serve. And the thing I want you to know, when you're thinking about this, the thing that you should get paid the most for is the thing that comes easiest for you to do. The most thing people that you forget make that. look easy. Yep. Right. Most people forget that. Then once you have that in place, a client has that in place, they have a great product because products is also a key part of how brands deliver value. Um, we look at your brand identity and the brand identity is what I call like the DNA of the brand. So you see me, I'm dark skin. I have brown eyes. I, 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 you know, I, I'm five, seven and I have like slightly Asian eyes, whatever my DNA blueprint determines how I look, right? There's stuff going on inside of me biologically and chemically that's also impacting my personality. It's the same with a brand. So a lot of people start with the logo design and what colors should I use? And they go on Facebook and they start posting like four different options. Which one do you like? And we actually have a system that allows you to clearly identify what is the right design and colors and image and photos and how, like what needs to be in your background to tell the right stories. How do you story tell the words that you're using? All that is determined by the brand identity. And then you're able to effectively create a brand image that is meaningful. And meaning is important to brands. I always say, you know, there's a saying, meaning maketh man. Right. So if you just have a nice image that looks good, but it has no meaning to the ideal client, then it's not going to land in translating to converting sales for you. OK, I'm, I'm following you so far. I know Startup Nation is following. Let's bring it uh, very story based because yes. we learn best by stories. Absolutely. Can you share an example of one of your clients that you took from, uh, say, unknown brand yeah. identity to yeah. 
them just crushing it in their, their niche. Um, Tell us kind of like how they showed up to you as far as their brand, where the status, and then what specifically their brand looks like now, why it worked, et cetera. So let's like, kind of like dissect one of them. Would you tell us that story? So I have a client, um, she was starting a business where she was going up against very big brands. um, And she was a solopreneur. Um, there are other brands who have an international name in the market. It was a male dominated field. She's a woman, obviously. I like and, this. I like this. She's going against the big ones and she's going against a different gender. So we got all that adversity. We, we have a, has a all common villain. And she's a foreigner in this country. Perfect. So I love it. The- <laughs> Let's take out all these excuses. Good. So she was leaving her full-time employment and she was starting her company. She had just started. She just left her her full-time employment, started her business. When she came to me, she had already started. She had a website because what most people do, they launch a website, everything. But she knew that something was missing, um, that she was not showing up fully. And in order for her to have a real chance against those bigger guys, she needed something more. So of course she came to me and of course the first question is, so let's talk about the colors and the logo. I said, no, there's a system to this. So what I actually did with her, we developed, we gave her what we call a globally irresistible distinction report. And inside that report, um, we identified her brand identity using archetypes. So leveraging these archetypes and for those of you who don't know what archetypes is archetype is so different from stereotype a stereotype is i'm a rebel i'm gonna put on a leather jacket i'm going to like act go buy a harley right and right so this is stereotypical right an archetype is if you think about it when you grew up you probably watch movies like cinderella and batman and robin hood right these are all archetypes cinderella the princess the ordinary girl who became a princess you have uh, batman the hero and then you have robin hood who is like a rebel right he's taking from the rich to give to the poor um and so these stories these these worldviews are embedded in our what we call the collective unconscious mind so if i have to go a little bit psychological here the, according to carl Jung, the brain is uh, the mind is separated into three layers the unconscious the the conscious mind and the collective unconscious and the collective unconscious reasoning is that many of us have this way this worldview in common that is why some people will like, and I'll speak to fashion because it's, it's my muse. Um, some people will love the brand Versace while others will find it's too in your face. It's too ostentatious, but yet they have a tribe of people who follow them. And then there are people who love Armani, who think it's sophisticated and it's classic and others, oh, it's boring because these brands are tapping into that worldview. And so leveraging these, um, these attributes, we show clients how to leverage it in the report. And the it factor comes in that no brand is one archetype. So we wanna find the twist of your brand because you can have two Robin Hoods expressing themselves in two different ways. All right, so and, let's take this to back to uh, your client. Yeah. What's, what specifically uh, showed up as her archetype? What did you discover together? So she was uh, what we call, uh, she was a, the charming reformist. Um, charming under our, reformist. Yes. 
under our system. And so she has a little bit of a rebellious streak. She doesn't want to be in the status quo. Uh, and at the same time, she's a lover. So intimacy and connection is very important to her, which really helped us identify that the way she would deliver her service would always be this sort of exclusive VIP experience, this high touch um, experience, very bespoke, everything tailored. Um, this really informed to us how she was going to deliver her service and also how she would communicate um, to her audience. So it wasn't going to be an imposing kind of, I'm the expert and you're my client, but really this partnership because that's what lovers do. Um, and so, <laughs> and so this really informed how she would deliver her service, how she would stand out, the products that she would deliver. In fact, that client, um, we actually delivered her six figure package, which she was very scared. Um, but then she realized that um, actually, it was the package that she was meant for. She had the wrong idol client. We changed that because we realized that even if she thought the bigger company was more capable of paying her for her service, we realized that the client who needed her most, who would be in most pain without her service, was a different type of client. Who was that and, client specifically and what was the service just so that we get Well, this. for her, she is in a regulatory market. It's, it's, I don't want to get into the complications of her no, business, no. but she, she deals with uh, regulation. So she is an attorney specialized in regulation. Got it. Um, so who was the, the ideal client originally that she thought and then you guys discovered together that it's actually- So for her, the initial idol client was a big company with maybe 200 employees. Got it. That she thought. Uh, then she realized, no, it might be that company with 50 to 100. It is that company 50 to 100 because one, they don't have the financial resources to hire someone in-house to do this. So they need me more. That bigger company can actually hire a full-time attorney to do the job. Um, so again, it's like go where you're needed not where you think you, 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 you might get the most money. And actually that person is actually willing to pay for that service. And she realized it's only a retainer of maybe $10,000 a month or $12,000 a month, as opposed to if they had to hire a full-time employee, which would cost them $25,000 a month in, in her field. Okay. Yeah. No, thank you for sharing that story because that really uh, makes it very clear, I think. Yeah. So going back to global authority, when she understood that, she understood how to reframe her brand image and repackage herself. And she went out there and has started enrolling clients. She made her first six figures and multiple six figures by now in the business. And she's doing amazing. I have another client who had a similar experience. And after a year, a year after she was working with me, um, she was able to bring in a um, million dollars into her business, which is very exciting. And she did quote that it was this report that she studied, which helped her go and be able to communicate with the client and make the pitch in a way for her to earn um, that much money. Fantastic. Two great stories. So Hannah, what do you instruct your clients on specifically as far as marketing themselves? Once they get this new brand identity that's aligned with who they are, their, their yes. wiring, their DNA, uh, they're connected to their passion, what lights them up truly. Yeah. Um, they understand that that's the thing they're 
clients are going to pay for is that thing that comes yes. natural to them, like you said. How yeah. do they go about, what's the, those first one, two, or three steps that you say, okay, now we're going to go reach out to that ideal client, sure. find them, et cetera. What do you, make it practical, make it tactical. What are your three uh, steps or strategies uh, to now marketing yourself as a world-class brand, as an authority to those higher-end clients? So again, you know, I talk about multiplying celebrity and how do you multiply celebrity in terms of as an expert, I, I get that most people listening to that are probably in the expert space. As an expert, you want to be able to leverage opportunities like your podcast, like going out and speaking on media platforms. So I always say to any entrepreneur, don't try to like a lot of people are trying to do their own podcast and do their own like leverage OPM, other people's media so go and try to get on popular media mainstream media where your idol client is because that's going to also help you build your authority in the market so if you could get published on entrepreneur.com or you could get published on um, any of those existing medias or be seen on podcasts have people interview you um, find opportunities to really share your expertise and in the absence of that be a content creator, right? Because it's important that you're creating content and that your audience see you as a thought leader. So share your perspective, share your method, share what you do different and how you bring something different to the table. And it's not always about sales. I think about content from a 70, 30 um, rule of thumb. So um, really having authority content and having lifestyle or motivational content. Because if you're always showing up trying to sell, you know, always pitching, like people are going to run. So I always say teach, don't pitch. That's one of the things. And the other thing is how can you bring in a lifestyle element to your brand um, so that you're creating something more than just products and service. Mm, okay. So let me, let me, now, oh, I, I'm going to break down these three, right? First off, no, that was just two. That was, that just, was two. just two. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Got it. So you'll, you're going to give us the third shortly. Uh, number one, leverage other people's media OPM. I've heard of leverage other people's money. Yeah. <laughs> I have never learned, heard of leverage other people's media. And I'm, I'm sitting there like right now, like, oh my gosh, that just smacked me upside the head. That is definitely an area of improvement for me because yeah. I went out and created my own media, my podcast yeah. platform. I have two podcasts, et cetera. Sure. And you're saying, hey, listen, Startup Nation, don't go out there and reinvent the wheel and start your no. own wheel and have to go through all that learning curve because listen, you may know this, running a podcast is a lot of work. It's a lot work. of work. And yeah. you got to show consistently, right? And, yeah. and even on those days, I do not want to record because I have a, a life, and <laughs> right? And, and I'm just not in the mood. It's like I still have to show up because there's a yeah. promise there to my listener. Yeah. So you're saying leverage other people's shows like mine and other podcasters to Platforms. get your name out there, connected, yeah. et cetera. And, and, and Startup Nation, in case you're saying, Maybe you got uh, some scarcity mindset like uh, Hannah was talking about. And I, I, I just want to, to say it this way. On my other show, Broken Catholic, I just had um, the famous uh, co-author of Chicken Soup for the Soul, yes. Mark Victor Hansen, and his wife uh, come on to my show because right now they are promoting their new book, Ask, and they mm -hmm. are out leveraging other people's media. Yep. Even though he has such a huge following, totally. he sold 500 million books. 
Totally. That chicken soup for the soul brand. And he's jumping on my podcast and others and saying, Joseph, who else do you know that's a big podcaster? I want other people's media right now. We're getting out there. And it's not too good for him, that approach, even though he's at the top of the top. So I just wanted to, to kind of bring that. It's very important. And I want people to look at celebrities like, you know, the Beyonce isn't really starting her own, you know, media platform necessarily. Right. Um, she knows that leveraging the media available is, is a great strategy to reach her idle clients without her having to do the extra work. I love it. All right. What's your number three that you've been holding back from us? What's your, what's your the number three is um, really don't be afraid. Like you have to find, have a sales process. A lot of business owners do not have a sales process. And most people who have not hit six figures yet, it's because they don't have a sales process or whatever their sales process is, is broken. So you want to have a class sales process. And that might look like um, that is really your, your client acquisition process. Um, and every company does it. I've worked for large companies. I've worked with large companies. And no matter how big the company was, I worked for a company, they had five, um, I worked for a company, they had 500 employees. Um, they had the largest market share in the market, everything. Yet there was a business development team who got on the phone and called people right? And reached out to people. So again, you want to be reaching out to people, sending emails, personally reaching out to people, doing your business development. So don't think that even if we're in a high tech world, leverage the tech to reach out to people. The other thing is maybe you want to have an an automated process, right? So a lot of how I was able to grow my business is through an automated process. I live on an island with 174,000 people in the Caribbean. It's our idyllic lifestyle, but it's not the best location for growing a business and a global brand, right? And so if I wanted to do that, I needed to leverage the technologies available, which is what I did. I created my funnels um, and, and again, it doesn't have to be complicated. I had a very simple funnel and that I still use that process today for client acquisition. All right. Startup Nation, you heard it from Hannah Fitz. Go create your cap, right? Yes. Your client acquisition process. Totally. And if you have a broken one right now, that's why you're getting broken results. Right. So, all right. So you can find Hannah at hannahfits.com. We're about to get into my favorite part of the show, the hustle round with Hannah. We're going to get personal. (laughs) All right. We're going to get real. We're going to find out her little secrets about who she is as a person. But before we do so, Startup Nation, are you uh, just killing it in business right now? And if you are like high five to you, that takes work. That's hustle. You've, You've sacrificed other areas of your life to win in business. You really have. And unfortunately, sometimes when you look back, you're like, (laughs) maybe I sacrificed the wrong areas of my life. I sacrificed relationships, right? Mm -hmm. The things that matter. The reason why I'm chasing the money is because of my family. I want to provide this lifestyle. Yet maybe your kids, you know, have disconnected from you and, and you have a broken relationship with them or maybe your spouse 
or maybe your 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 parents you just don't have that relationship you've wanted with your mom or your dad maybe it's a relationship with god that's broken and your your maker and your spirituality wherever you are in that that journey so i invite you if there is a pain point there for you where you just feel dissatisfied or there's something more even sure. though you have the money and you're winning there yeah. there's other areas of your life where you can be winning so startup nation if that's you uh, go, go to josephwarren.net, uh, schedule a warm-up call with me free of charge. Uh, I'll give you one coaching session, right? At no cost, kind of nice. like a, a free sample at Costco, right? <laughs> you get to taste it before you, before you buy it. So, and yeah, if man. we're the right fit, you know, we'll work together. If we're not, no big deal. At least you get some great clarity out of that call. So go to josephwarren.net. All right. So my guest today is Hannah Fitz. She is crushing it. She just taught <laughs> us how to create a world-class brand that elevates your authority and attracts high-end clients. You can find her at hannahfitz.com. Hannah, welcome to the Hustle Round. I'm about to ask you 10 quick fire questions. You'll have about three seconds to answer each. Don't overthink it. It's just for fun. Are you ready? Yes. All right. What's your favorite thing about being a, a high-end, uh, world-class entrepreneur? What I love is that I get to create at a high level. Um, and what I mean is that if my client is able to pay more, it means that I can create a dream, right? I love that. That, that is so true. It's like when your client, <laughs> client pays you a little, Startup Nation, you only have a, a small budget to now create more value for them. But what if they paid you a lot and you could just sit back and be like, oh my gosh, let me go hire someone for this and this and this because I got a ton of money now and you're going to deliver even more value. What is your least favorite thing about being a high-end, world-class <laughs> brand entrepreneur? Um, I think one of the things is that I have a business that's dependent on me. So, mm. Oh, you're in that <laughs> trap, girl. You're in that trap. We got to get yeah. you out. I know that. Well, I'm, I'm getting out. I have a strategy sure. for that. So we're working on it. <laughs> Fantastic. Hannah, what are you most afraid of? What am I most afraid of? Um, I think one of the things that I grew up, both my parents have, done, have passed away. Mm. And so I'm always, you know, very clinging to my loved ones um, because of that. So, but, you know, working on it as well. It's all a mindset. <laughs> So family is, is super it's, important. It's important. Yes. I got it. All right. Um, so I believe we're all struggling with something either personally or professionally at any totally. given moment. It's just part of being human. Yeah. Um, what are you struggling with either professionally or personally right now? Hmm. So now I think what I'm really working towards is I know that um, I've created a certain amount, a certain level. And so what I'm really working on building competency on is, um, you know, how to invest it all correctly and, and take it to the next level and, and have money work for me. Right. <laughs> mm, yeah, I get that. That's awesome. What secret fear do you have about people? Can you, I think yeah. there's an element of trust with people. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. What did you spend uh, way too much time doing your first year in your business, this business? What did I spend way too much time doing? Hmm. I have to really think back. So when I first started, I was doing too many different areas of brand development. And so I had to streamline after the first year or two, I realized I had to streamline. Hmm. So it sounds like your, your energy was just being scattered everywhere instead of just focusing in one area. Is that right? I was working a lot. I was working to the point of getting like sick. <laughs> so. Got that. Hey, listen, you just spoke to my listener. 
I, yeah. I know there's, there's someone listening right now that's just overworking right now because totally. they're chasing that, that shiny green, you know, totally. object. And- I don't think necessarily it's chasing the money initially for me. In fact, like I, when I first hit my first six, because I didn't even notice, like I was just so busy doing what I love. And I was so enthusiastic that I just, I was just doing it because it was fun and it was a new experience that I didn't want to stop. And I just had no limits. I was just working around the clock. I, I love that. I love that you said that. And Startup Nation is probably like, grr, Hannah. So, oh, you made six figures accidentally just by accident. Oh, it wasn't an poor, accident. Poor I was girl. intentional, but I, I wasn't. I wasn't. It wasn't until my accountant sat sat down with me, and I was like, oh. Oh, look what we did. Oops. Okay. Um, what do you wish you had learned sooner in business? What I learned, um, what I think I would have learned sooner, again, going back to what I just shared, um, I've become a lot more intentional in my business. So while then I did it and I didn't realize I did it, um, I thought if I could do that without intention, what else can I do if I become more intentional? And I think being intentional is so important to success. So as I look at this new decade, I think all of your listeners could benefit from this. We have a new 10, a a decade ahead. What are you going to create intentionally in it? Mm, Love it. What's a new habit you want to create? (laughs) Drinking more water. (laughs) Staying hydrated. What's a bad habit you want to break? Um, Not drinking water. (laughs) Pick three words to describe who you are now. I would say that I've come to the point in my life where I have a deep sense of uh, a deeper sense of self, uh, greater confidence, not confidence like arrogance, but uh, a knowing that I'm here for a purpose and that I'm also doing God's work. Like I have a beautiful spiritual relationship, a personal relationship, which I've had to cultivate um, different from how my parents had their relationship with, with God. Um, and, um, and so being grounded in that and always seeking like, what, what does the divine want me to bring to the world? What does God want me to share? And always inviting God to use me to, to help bless the lives of others. Mm, I think those are powerful questions. Sometimes we leave our faith and our spirituality out of our life. Yeah. We just show up like real bipolar, like something, yeah. something right? <laughs> and it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. So I love that you added that in. Pick three words to describe who you were uh, your first year in this business. I think um, back then, I'm sure it showed up in my business that way, but maybe I wasn't aware of it. But I think back then I was still... Um, I was still in a way questioning my own greatness and not others seeing me more than I saw myself. Mm. And I was also the person who was future based. So I have big goals and I always lived in my big goals and never acknowledged my wins. So even when people congratulated me on the things I was accomplishing, I would be like, oh, you know, like I would always find a reason to downplay it because it wasn't the big thing that I was moving towards. And I've learned to celebrate more. Ah, so good. So good. Startup Nation, celebrate your little victories and you'll attract more of them. That's what you want. And last question, Hannah, if you could come back to life after you died, look your family in the eyes, the people you care about in the eyes and give them only one piece of advice about anything, about everything, all of it. What would you say to them? 
Yeah, um, hmm. that's a <laughs> that's a very like I have to I haven't never thought about it. Um, hmm. I would say I think the thing that always stays top of mind for me is seek ye first the kingdom of God and all things shall be added to you. And I've come to see this from a whole different meaning in that, you know, the kingdom is within you. And a lot of times we're searching for things outside of ourselves when the greatest gift you can give yourself is to see what is within you and then project that outwards. And so that's, that's what I would share. Mm, powerful. Any final words? What's the one thing you want my listener to know about making their first 100 K and beyond this year? What do you got? You're enough and you're worth it. I think a lot of it is around self-worth. Um, it's around um, thinking that you constantly have to prove yourself or you have to overgive to deserve. And I just believe that if I know that your podcast is centered around Christian people and knowing that the father wants to give to you largely, you know, like the father creates largely or the mother, I don't want to like give God agenda, but really um, that your God, the God you serve is a great and mighty God who creates everything in abundance. And so if there is lag, then I invite you to invite more God into your life so that you can expand your capacity to receive more of what is available for you. Mm. Startup Nation, if you're a mother or a father, you have your own kids and you're a loving, kind person and you always want to just just shower them with goodness and blessings, then why don't you believe that you have a God in heaven, a father who wants to do the same for you? Like, why mm -hmm. do we struggle to get that for ourselves when we're yeah. so willing to give it to others? I think because we Great see point. God as separate from ourselves. We separate God. We say God is over there and we're here when the father and the son is one, right? And, and so you Spirit. are one of yeah. God. I so. love it. I love it. All right. What's the best way for Startup Nation to get in touch with you if they so choose? Hannah, uh, what do you got? You got something you're working on you want to give them? What do you got? Sure. So I have a free gift for all of you. Um, I talked a lot about the it factor and how every great brand has an it factor. You can download that free ebook at my website. So if you go to hannahfits.com, my brand atelier, um, it's Hannah without the H at the end. So it's H-A-N-N-A. FITZ.com. Uh, you can download that uh, free ebook and learn more about how great brands use the it factor to their advantage. And how you can too, Startup and Nation. And how you can too, exactly. All right. Uh, Hannah Fitz, thank you for being on your first 100K. I wish you God's love, peace, and joy in your life, girl. Thank you. Namaste. Have a great day. Thank you so much. Startup Nation, you cannot show up authentically in your business without building faith in your business. If you want to have that conversation on the faith side of things, go check out my other podcast called Broken Catholic. On that show, I interview all different guests about why the world isn't working right now. Plus, I tackle unspeakable topics that you may secretly struggle with, but won't admit. We got to get your faith right to get your business right. Go to brokencatholic.com. I'm Joseph Warren, and you were made for greatness. So stop being a wuss and start being a winner. Have a blessed day, and I'll see you right back here next week.